So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and the streak is over. Toby, how do you feel? We finally beat a New Zealand team. Hey, I'm so pumped. I may not sound it, but I'm over the moon that it's over. Um, I want to stop talking about it, and I think, yeah, look, I'm, I'm proud of the Tars. We're the ones to do it as well. That's it. That's it. Almost two years after they last beat a New Zealand team, they're the first one to crack it and show that they can stand up to these New Zealand teams as they did at Allianz Stadium on Saturday night. Now, you may have noticed that we are one man short today. Um, unfortunately, Leo's been unable to join us. Uh, sounds like a few complications at work, fires, something in the steelworks. Not sure, but he's decided to selfishly go and deal with that rather than be on his favourite podcast. I, I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, look, we'll give him a pass this week. He's He put in, puts in such a good effort every week, so... Um, I'm sure sure we'll be fighting fit and ready to go next week. Yeah, one of us will actually have to look at some of the stats this time because that's where he usually beats us at. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, before we get into the games and recap, what was a really entertaining weekend of rugby? Um, just we, the other thing we saw this week was the All Blacks announcing their squad and a few key omissions, I thought. I was expecting to see a few new names sort of put into there. What do you think, Toby? Do you have anyone you think missed out? Yeah, man. I, I mean, the the most obvious one is Ben Lamb. Um, I was quite mm. disappointed that he wasn't there. Um, I can see that the fact that they've got already already a lot of talent within within that kind of back three spot, and I think the fact that he doesn't really fit in at fullback maybe worked against him, and that's why Naeem Ilnaskada got the nod ahead of him. Um, but also Rob Thompson, one of our favourites, missed out, which, again, may have come down to his performance against the, the Tars, was was a bit poor. Um, but, yeah, he was he was definitely someone I thought would be in there. Yeah, that's, that's it, of course. Um, Jack Goodhue getting the nod to um, potentially debut for the All Blacks, probably the spot we thought that Rob Thompson would take in that team. Yeah, I don't know. Goodhue... I think he's been consistent, and obviously the Crusaders again, a good team, and and have been, you know, winning a string of games. But in my opinion, I thought Rob Thompson had really been stepping up this year, and thought, you know, at at the thirteen position, um, he would have really added a lot for the All Blacks. So we'll see. I guess this is the June series, and there's still a bit of Super Rugby to be to be played. So maybe I mean the Crusaders. You, it's hard to, to go wrong picking one of their guys in their back line because they have such good structures. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Thompson comes in the mix at some stage. Mm. The other person, uh, another winger, that probably doesn't fit the All Blacks classic mould is George Bridge. Didn't get, a, didn't get a chance to come up. And I still think he probably will in the future, but he's just been playing so well. He's just been a joy to watch every week. Yeah, he's he's an excellent player and, and, and one that can fill the fullback position pretty well or you know, a bit of a flyer on the wing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think at some stage he'll get his opportunity. Mm. Now, one other thing I just wanted to maybe have a little bit of a rant about. There's been a few articles been coming up in the last week or so. Um, Paul Cully for Sydney Morning Herald, Hugh Cavill out of Green and Gold Rugby, all writing pieces about sort of the future of Super Rugby, you know, what's what needs to change, what needs to be fixed. And you have these... Ideas coming out like Paul Carley's talking about just need to scrap all the international stuff, just become a purely domestic-based competition um, so you always have an Australian team winning. And Hugh Cavill saying, oh, we should actually just drop out South Africa and try and get a sort of New Zealand-Australian sort of Pacific championship going. And I've had about enough of it because the last thing we need to do right now, I think, is to change Super Rugby again. 
And they're talking about trying to do these things to tweak it and fix it and make Super Rugby more entertaining again and make it better and make the Australian teams better. But I just think every year changing it, you're only going to drive fans away and the public's going to get more and more confused every time you change it around. And that's not the way we're going to build ourselves up to be competing with these other teams like New Zealand. Yeah, look, Arch, I totally agree with you. And I, I think, look, we're searching for that answer. Um, and I think there are we're looking in the wrong places in some ways. The, the biggest challenge with places like South Africa being in the mix is the time zone issue. It's not the fact that these games are lower quality or, you know, aren't entertaining because the fact is this year they are. If anything, this has been one of the best years of Super Rugby in terms of parity, in terms of, you know, interesting competitive games. Mm. Um, so I don't think the answer is to drop one of these nations out, one of these kind of conferences out, so then perhaps you have just Australia and New Zealand or something like that. At the moment, if we were to do that, you know, the, the Australian sides have been getting pasted, you know, every week with a few wins here and there, and it it really wouldn't be a competition you'd want to watch. So at the moment, I think we've got a good balance. Um, we've got competitive teams like even the Sunwolves now coming on with a couple of wins. Um, Jaguares have won five in a row. The, the kind of quality of football is right up there at the moment. Yeah, so exactly. I don't think we need to be tinkering. We need to solid, being solidifying this format, tweaking it maybe a little bit to make it better, but not dropping teams in and out and confusing the public again. That's, that's the last thing we need. I think, yeah, I think you're looking in the wrong place if that's where you're trying to improve Australian rugby from the already top sort of professional um, super rugby levels. You need to be looking more at your lower tier stuff, your club stuff, and your school based stuff, and that's where you're going to build up those skills you're talking about Australia lacking. I'd much prefer yeah. them to go sink some money in and get like, do like a statewide sevens competition that they spread out every year and do sort of like eight to ten week competition with multiple teams throughout a New Zealand comp, uh, New Zealand, a New South Wales comp, and a Queensland comp, and just build up sevens rugby in this country because i think that's an area where you get people playing that you develop fitness in players you develop kicking attacking passing really high high octane rugby and that's what super rugby has almost been built around and you've seen it with these players like ben lamb coming into super rugby and having so much success so many of the all blacks have played sevens and then moved in like what Kano, yeah. Artie Sevilla, Ben Smith, Bone Barrett all had stints and sevens and then moved across. And they're the players that you see bring this attacking flair. Yeah, and no, I mean, there's probably less examples of that in Australian rugby, but I think that could change. Even guys like Cam Clark, who now mm. have kind of had a year or two in 15s, um, again, professionally, um, you can see they are really performing well. Guys like Quagga Smith in South Africa... It was a big kind of seven stalwart for them for a long time. Um, he's a standout every week for the Lions. So it's definitely it's definitely a development pathway. I think in the 15s, you shouldn't just, you know, be separating the two um, formats. But, yeah, I think from, from, my, from my perspective, something like the grassroots in terms of shoot shield, um, schoolboys is important as well. But you can see how strong shoot shield is at the moment. It's getting, you know, 10,000 people turning up at a game at, at, on occasion. Um, so there is a lot of opportunity there to capitalise on that, keep the standard of rugby high um, and really build up, like you said, the skills, the talent through those channels so that it filters into Super Rugby and, and we can improve, you know, the four teams that we have. Yeah, exactly. All right, enough of uh, negative stuff like that. Let's let's look at the weekend and what was your favourite moment? Yeah, mate, I've already mentioned it. We've already kind of touched on the fact that the streak's over and for me the Tars just, you know, I was kind of writing them off a little bit in this game. After, um, you know, a tough loss to the Crusaders and they came out, looked like they were unaffected and, you know, really played some entertaining football um, and beat, you know, a quality New Zealand opposition. The the Highlanders are a tough team. Um, you know, playing them away is a little bit easier, but we should take nothing away from the Tars with this victory. Like, it it really, I think, is going to put them in a position to to make a real crack at um 
you know, being strong in the finals here because the moment their confidence is high, they're playing with a lot of flair and passion and, you know, it's it's kind of reminiscent of that 2014 Waratahs team, particularly in the back line. Yeah, exactly. I was at this game with Leo and uh, even though there was a reasonably small crowd there, they had the AFL on next door at the same time, um, but the atmosphere was definitely great in there and just the, the pump up that was happening when we started getting on top of the Highlanders and started putting some of these um, tries together, sort of forwards and backs interchanging in the back line, um, small pop passes, especially that last, that second try to Falau that went through sort of six or seven sets of hands, Sakopi Kapu popping it round the back. It was just lovely to see. And so, yeah, definitely the highlight. Yeah, that was, I mean, we'll talk about it a bit more, but um, yeah, just attractive football. Like you said, some really exciting moments. Um, and I think, look, if they continue to play like that, the crowd's going to take care of itself. It's mm. it's just a case of people want to see winning rugby. They don't want to see teams losing by 20 every week at home. Yeah. Um, and because the Waratahs are the only option in Sydney, if they're not doing well um, rugby-wise, people will just go to Shoot Shield. They might go to the, the AFL instead, where the Swans are, are doing pretty well this year as well. Um, so, you know, the results will bring in a bigger crowd. If we can consistently do that yeah, um, spread. whilst playing good rugby. Yeah, exactly. And we saw it a few years ago. Um, crowds were up. I think you're still probably looking at, say, twenty to 25,000 maximum for, uh, you know, for just a round game. But if we want to build upon that, we just have to have consistent results and the public will come back. Exactly. Match report, round 14. All right, let's get into the other games. We'll start with the Friday night game. The Reds coming off that big loss to the Sunwolves. And they were heading into Wellington versus the Canes. And we all expected a bit of a dominating performance from the Canes. But the Reds, they put it put it to them and really put up a big fight in this game. And probably were a bit unlucky not to pull out a upset win here. The Hurricanes ending up winning 38-34. to Yeah, the Reds, look, I think they went about it the right way. They were very physical in their approach. Um, and we said that. We thought they'd come out that way and they didn't disappoint. And again, I think, you know, it was important. We saw an 80-minute performance from them. Um, there were some unlucky periods to that game for the Reds, but, you know, they kept it close. And, you know, this is still, you know, a Hurricanes team that wasn't missing many guys, really, I don't think at all. They're really tough to beat at home, and I think the Reds' performance um, just really epitomised what Brad Thorne's about. Um, I think, you know, in a couple of years' time, they'll be getting these wins pretty regularly um but yeah to come within four points of the canes at home i think is a a terrific effort yeah and you mentioned it like their their big men really stood up taniella tupo outstanding game um and an awesome break down the line to set up a try for patea laid off in the piece um as well as brandon pangaramosa their big second rowers and george smith had a pretty good impact a few key turnovers in this game as well yeah, I think, you know, Scott Higginbotham in this game really stood up and he hasn't had a lot of opportunities this this season with his suspension and then with injury. Um, so it was good to see there, particularly with the Wallabies struggling a little bit in the, you know, blindside flanker and number eight spot. So, you know, to have someone like that who, you know, has been known to get picked for one or two games for the Wallabies and then kind of disappear, if he can kind of take... I know we've said this probably, you know, multiple years, but if he can take some of this form that he showed against the Hurricanes into the international season, he might just end up, you know, coming off the bench for the Wallabies or something like that because we do really need someone who can carry the ball well. Guys like Caleb Timu um, in that in that mould. Um, and I think Scott, you know, he shouldn't be written off completely. So good to see captain from the front really putting a good performance I was also impressed with guys like, say, Dal Gunu, Brandon Pang, and Mosa again, very impressive. And yeah, these these Reds team, even though they are, you know, littered with young players, they seem to be maturing really well. Um, and look, they didn't get the win. That's disappointing, I think, for them. But yeah, to come within four points of the Canes is just yeah, it's good. And I think it's something they can build upon. Um, the other player we should mention for the Reds was Karevi. Had a really good game on attack. 
um, a couple of big line busts and a good try after a, from a cutout pass from John Lance late in the piece. Um, he was moved out to 13 in this game because Foway Satia was injured, so you saw Duncan Power came back into 12. Um, I think he still looks better in attack when he's a bit wider, but still a little bit weak on defence. He was he sort of fell off um, Ben Lamb tackle and um, a Bowden Barrett tackle for their in their first two tries. So I worry a little bit about him there. Yeah, look, I think that's the thing, right? He has so many merits in offence, um, and it just when he's playing thirteen, his defence just lets him down a little bit too often. Um, which, you know, that's something that can be corrected. But because, again, he's moving from 13 to 12 back to 13, he doesn't get that consistent week-to-week exposure to playing 13, like, say, mm. Kurandrani does. Um, so it's going to be difficult for him to, I guess, prove to Michael Checker, um, you know, come on, put put faith in me at number 13. I can, I'm a two-way player. I'm not going to let you down. Um, I think at this stage he's still not quite there, which is disappointing because he does add so much to a backline. It's a shame. I mean, Curtly Bill is going to be picked at 12 for the Wallabies. I think we've, we've been pretty clear about that, and, yeah. and no one would really dispute that. Um, but, you know, Karevi coming on at 12 or 13, maybe you can get away get away with it in terms of, look, starting him there for 80 minutes at 13 maybe not if he comes on as an impact player um late in a game that could be an option i think for the wallabies and then he could shuffle between 12 and 13 depending on you know how we want to restructure the back line late in the game mm. i don't know if you saw in this game what do you think of tj perinara being able to convince the ref to shy away from the yellow card for that knockdown yeah look i mean tj's a, a great talker um, you can see how much he adds being back in that Hurricanes team. I don't know. It's it's a difficult one because, I mean, I think this happens more often than, than we realise with, you know, players in the ear of a referee during the game and just pointing things out and, and drawing attention to certain aspects of the game. So this is not unusual. The only the point is that we've noticed it, I guess, because it's a break in play and it's related to, to something like a yellow card. Mm. Um, in in terms of the knockdown, I, I still think, you know, this this rule is broken. Um, I think that the interpretation around it is inconsistent. Yeah, and it's very different there's, week there's, to week. It is, and it, it's kind of it, it does have the potential to to really have a, a pretty um, a pretty profound impact on games. So we need to be careful about how we're um, refereeing this because, you know. Sometimes guys are going into tackles, not meaning to even come into contact with a ball, you know, hitting it down because they're in the motion of tackling. And they are still getting yellow cards in some circumstances. And it's, I think they need to be a little bit more lenient with it. Um, and I'm not saying I want to encourage people just swatting the ball away, but Kay for someone on the commentary team in one of the games made a point that, look, going for an intercept is a genuine defensive play if you're out of position. If they don't have the ability to go for that because they were too worried about getting carded, yeah, I think we need some some reinterpretation around that rule. What do you think, Arch? Yeah, I think they'll definitely need to tie it up in some way, um, especially for next year. I don't know what the complete answer is, whether it is going, maybe even just going back towards away from it, the fact that you can get yellow cards from it so easily. I'm happy for it to be penalised a bit more. Yeah. Mm. I think it, it's pretty obvious when someone's doing it intentionally to kill a play. Mm. Um, we should be able to read it within the context of the game. Um, and I think maybe, you know, saving the cards for more cynical offences or repeat offenders in the same game doing the same thing, I think that would work a lot better because people just wouldn't use that tactic twice in a row um, in any sort of negative way. And I just have this bad feeling it's going to, have a hit on the Wallabies this year at some point. But, mm. yeah, at the moment, they haven't got the balance right. All right, and we'll, we'll keep talking. And um, next game, Waratahs Highlanders. We've already mentioned it a bit. So Waratahs coming out winners in this, 41-12. to 12. Um, Highlanders got down early with a red card to Nabura for a 
sort of foul play, jumping in the air and sticking a foot out and managing to clock um, Cam Clark straight in the face, which didn't seem to bother him yep. too much. He was all right, but yeah, that, that definitely put them on the back foot early. Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate for the Highlanders because, you know, you could see it was just a bit of a brain snap by, by Nabura, um, but, it, you know, on replay it looked pretty bad and it was good to see that Cam Clark didn't just stay down and kind of milk the penalty. Um, he got straight up and was ready to go again. Yeah, the replay was too telling on that and I don't think the referee had any other choice. So this this kind of, this one event really had an impact on the Highlanders' structure. Um but to be fair to them, they didn't drop the intensity at all. They were playing, you know, pretty attacking football, even though they had, you know, after losing Aaron Smith, only 13 people on the field. So credit to the the fact that they they didn't just put the game away um, and and not really chance their arm at all. They still came out with some flair. Yeah, that's right. And still a little bit um, worrying the Waratahs still conceding points very quickly after scoring a couple of those tries in the second half. Um, but definitely the attacking prowess was still there. Yeah, you're definitely right, Arch. That, those quick tries straight after we've scored um, are a worry because they're just it just shows they're probably switching off a little bit mm. after getting some of that success. And I think they need to take the time to, okay, we scored a try, now we need to be twice as switched on to what's going to happen next because we know, you know, particularly a New Zealand team will come out and really fire back I'm hoping to square up the score. We've got to give credit to the way the Waratahs forwards stood up in this game. Um, I think the the front row was pretty strong. Second row, look, I'm still not convinced by their performances. Yeah, not sold on um, Stanford and Simmons. No, I mean, Simmons at the start of this game looked like he was back to his old ways again. Um, you don't seem to notice him unless he's infringing. Um, he doesn't have, you know, a lot of strong carries. Maybe in defence he was he was pretty good, but apart from that, there wasn't a whole lot to like again. Um, but our our back row really really stood up well in this game. Um, Michael much Wells, lighter, really yeah. good. Had a couple of line out steals as well, but just all over the yeah. park. And you know the thing is with Wells, um, I think the thing that hampers him the most is is probably his physicality and his weight in terms of maybe being considered for the Wallabies, but. If he continues to play like he's playing in you know the last month or so, I think he's still giving himself quite a good opportunity to be considered for international selection. Um, probably more in the mould of, say, someone like Stephen Hoyles, who was always undersized at that number six or number eight position, but could still jump in the line out, could do all the stuff around the field, who, you know, had a big motor. Um, but yeah... I think if, if someone like Stephen Hoyles made the Wallabies back in the past, um, you could see Wells coming into contention in that way. Yeah, guys like um, Fitzpatrick as well. Um, I wasn't a big fan of him at the start of the season, but he's, he's starting to convert me with the way he's playing around the field. And, of course, we saw Tolu Latu get a name on the bench and come on a bit late, but a few sort of good runs and... Still looks like he has a bit of a power. Whether the fitness is still there remains to be seen, but wonder if that's a little bit of a nudge from Checker to Gibson to get Tolu a little bit of super rugby time in case he needs him for these tests. Yeah, it's interesting it's come at this stage. And, you know, someone like Hugh Roach, um, who had who'd been playing there the last couple of months in terms of a backup, probably isn't in the frame for Wallabies. So Tolu as I think people have kind of talked about, is one of the more experienced hookers going around in Australia at the moment just because of um, Stephen Moore retiring and, and Pallotta now going overseas. So Tolo is someone they can use. Like you said, whether he has the fitness there at the moment, I don't know. But he had some, uh, you know, pretty good impact coming on. Yeah. Um, and I think he has, yeah, he has kind of played a few shoot shield games um, in the last few weeks. So... I think he's building back up to where he was. I think it's got to do with some of the off-field stuff and, and really committing to um, putting in a good effort at training and being consistent in that. So if he can get back to where he was, I think he could be seen as that, you know, in the top three hookers in the country. 
Mm. Um, but whether it's coming too late in the piece, I don't know. It's hard to tell at the moment. Look, Checker came out this week and said that he probably wasn't going to bring Tadafu back for the Irish tests um, because he's just been on sort of a very long haul sort of between Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere seasons. So he wants to give him a bit of a rest before the rugby championship. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Tolu named when the Wallabies squad gets named on Wednesday. Um, other highlights to point out in this, obviously Falau, two tries again, um, continuing his attacking form. And Tank Kelly continues to show, even up against All Blacks winner uh, Waseki Naholo in this game, still managed to put two tries down and really, I think, reasonably well contained Naholo. Yeah, he did. And Tank Kelly... Look, he's he's probably been he's this season been as fit as he's ever been in Super Rugby. I think that's that's for sure, um, and that's the thing that's going to give him a good chance of one making the squad for the Wallabies and and two perhaps even starting for them. He's kind of fixed up a few of his defensive issues um, on the wing there, and he's just a force. You know, in all parts of the field, you can insert him in the play, you know, off a line out or something. Um, he just carries the ball so well, and he knows how to find the line, and the Wallabies do need someone like that on the wing. So, you know, whether you throw him in there against Ireland, it may be a bit of a gamble, but we know the history of Checker. He likes to be aggressive in some of his selections. So, look, Tank Kelly's giving himself such a good chance to, to make an impact here. Right, let's move on. And early Sunday morning, we had the Lions versus the Brumbies. And again, in one of these games that we sort of thought might be a bit of a blowout, but was remarkably close. And the Brumbies were leading for the majority of sort of the first half, at least. Um, some poor discipline. Again, sort of a couple of yellow cards and a red card in this game uh, allowed the Lions back into it at the end. And they got a couple of late tries, eventually winning 42 to 24. But some promising signs still from the Brumbies. Yeah, you're right. And the Brumbies, I was watching this game and I thought, you know, they look good. The structure looks good. Lee Leofano looks like he's on the front foot. He looks sharp. Um, their forwards were being physical. Fr- from my perspective, the Brumbies looked the better team in this game. And they were within four points, I think, up until maybe 10 minutes to go in the game or less than that. Yeah. Um, so they really did have a good shot at this. The fact that Rory Arnold got sent off, I think, in the 60th minute, um, got a, a red card, was a real shame and really, I think, probably ended their hopes of winning this one. But, I mean, Arnold did put a similar shot on Yanchi's, I think, maybe, whether it was early in the second half or late in the first half, he kind of hit him high, but that, that first one was missed. So kind of got him in a similar vein the second time. You know, shoulder to the jaw, and it was too much. The referee had to send him off. So, I mean, either way, he would have got another yellow. He would have been gone. And did you see how he was already down the tunnel? Yeah, he'd the, already the replayed it. He was even, out of the stadium, yeah. and the ref tried to call him back for a second. It was like, oh, actually, he's he's already gone. All right, we'll tell him not to come yeah. back and just held up a red card to the air. But I've, I've never seen that before. Mm. It's strange. But, like, it was a bit disappointing, some of the discipline early, because, like you said, he got a yellow card in the first half for um, tackling the player early in the line-out, um, and Carter got one for collapsing the the Lions' mall, and that was... A, a lot of their attacking was coming through that mall, and it just seemed like the Brumbies didn't really have a good strategy, and not just one strategy to stop it you need to have a few like their first one okay we muscle up we try and like slow it down we try and get in and get your hands on it fine if that's not working you need to then adjust and either change to another strategy whether you're going straight to sacking the jumper straight away or whether you're standing back and you're getting someone around just to completely neutralize that mall and not engaging with it at all it just felt a little bit like the brumbies were just going back to the same thing and it wasn't working and that's that's what caused the Lions to get a couple of tries in this. And I, like I said, I th- they had the potential to win this game and they just weren't smart enough. Their discipline was a bit off, which, you know, can happen with the Brumbies and they, they tend to even win games when they're still kind of winning the penalty count um, in terms of racking up penalties. But, yeah, look, 
we didn't expect probably this much from them. The the biggest disappointing thing for me from this game, and I know you'll feel the same way, Arch, oh, Rob Valentini, Valentini going down late. Yeah, it's it, the second time he's done his medial ligament mm. um, in only you know, his third game of Super Rugby now. So it's a big hit not only to the Brumbies, which I think with that back row of Valentini, Pocock and Nicerani, there's not better, you know, much better combinations going around there. But, you know, the Wallabies now, I don't think he'll really come into the the thoughts of Michael Checker because, um, you know, it might be too late for him recovering for the rugby championship. And obviously the, the June series is, is now out of out of the question. So quite disappointing on that front. Yeah, I haven't heard the final thoughts on um, what grade of sprain or strain that he's done for his MCL, but yeah, definitely repeated injuries always a worry um, for this. But compared to that, the highlights, as you said, in the back line, Lealiafano definitely looked looked the goods at 10. Um, Godwin coming back in at 12. They seem to be working reasonably well in this game. Uh, and Tom Banks showing his attacking power. Um, burning people on the outside, burning people on the inside of those inside passes, two tries. I like the look of this kid when he's playing like that, when he's getting this sort of front football, um, getting put into gaps. Yeah, he, he looks like Chris Latham, doesn't he? When he gets through the gap <laughs> and he kind of arches his back a bit with his socks down and got such good pace. Um, and he's he's not a small dude either. Like, he's got a bit of size about him. He's got the speed. Um and he, he looked like he really had his confidence up in this game and two very excellent tries. So that's come at a perfect time, I think, for the June series. And I think you could see him there in the squad if, if he puts in maybe even one or two more performances like this. I think Czech would have really stood up and noticed this performance. And um, the Brumbies, well, they, they have another tough game ahead of them in, in South Africa. Um but the Lions still still looking vulnerable in this, and they they were still missing a few players. Still didn't have Mark. Still didn't have Warren Whiteley. Um, but still, when you're looking at some of these other teams like the Sharks and Jags standing up, you worry about them going forward. How they're gonna try and finish out this year? Yeah, the Lions just look sloppy, bad handling errors. I think the only thing that really kept them in this game was the the rolling mall. Mm. Um, they still do have. You know, some strong forwards in there. And then guys like Schumann, Schumann comes on, you know, late in the game and just offers that real intensity. So they did do enough to win this one. But, you know, it doesn't give me much confidence for their kind of finals hopes. I think, obviously, they'll they'll probably get to the finals. But in terms of getting back to that, that grand final again, I don't give them much chance at all. Um, they just look completely out of sorts, really, in comparison to how they were playing, say, with Whiteley or with Malcolm Marks. Those two players are so central to their Yeah, they really success are. And they're a completely different team without them there. Next game we're going to jump over to, and you guys laughed at me when I tipped the Sunwolves, but coming out of the blistering heat in Hong Kong, it was a 40-plus degree day, taking on the, Sunwol- uh, the Stormers away from home. And Hayden Parker, take a bow. This man has golden boots and... Bloody, he must have had a bit of ice in his veins after winning it with a drop goal um, after the buzzer, having to switch to his non-preferred foot for this as well. Um, Sunwolves take this 26 to 23. Yeah, and they must be pretty elated beating a, a pretty decent team like the Stormers. I know we talked about the Storm, Stormers haven't performed well away from home at all this year. In fact, I'm not sure they've won a game they haven't. away from Cape Town. Yeah. But, you know, playing over in Hong Kong probably would have been quite hot conditions over there in some ways. And, um, yeah, look, they've got a bit of a crowd in there and, and managed to come away with the victory. So that's a pretty, you know, good couple of games for the Suns. And it looks like they're, they're very confident at the moment. They're really taking their opportunities. Whether they can come down to Melbourne and, and beat a Rebels team that will be well rested and and had two weeks to prepare against um, their structures. You know, that's going to be tough, I think, for them to win three in a row. But, you know, it just shows, like, you give teams like the Jaguars or the Sunwolves a bit of time. And I think there is, you know, every chance that they'll be successful in the long run. 
you know, it, it gives me a lot of faith in the fact that they have the supporters there in Tokyo. They have a good kind of mm. um, coaching staff now at the moment um, with um, Tony Brown and Jamie, um, Joseph. His, his Jamie Joseph. Yeah. So, you know, if they can get a couple more wins this year, that's a massive step forward for that franchise and it's good to see. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be difficult for them to come down into Melbourne and make it three in a row. I certainly hope the Rebels have taken the warning and hopefully they come out playing hard for this game. Whereas the Stormers are heading home um, to take on a Lions team. Yeah, that's tough to pick. I think um, probably need to see in the team sheets a little bit for that. Yeah. Alright, we can probably blow through a few of these last few games. Um, the Blues and the Crusaders. Blues at home, going down to the Crusaders, 24-32. Uh, to 32. They looked quite competitive in this game. You can see what they can do with a healthy team. Um, but the Crusaders still putting on four tries in the first half. And they just seem to be expert at always scoring that last try just before half-time. I'd love to know how many points they score in that sort of five minutes before half-time. But it just always helps them go into the break on the front foot and then hold on to it through the second half. Yeah, we might need Leah to do a bit of analysis around that point because I think you're right. They just hit hit right before the break, um, going with that momentum and then really capitalise on their opportunities in, in the second half. I mean, this, this game was a little bit different in the second half. Um, they only scored three points after getting a good lead. Um, I actually thought the... The game would be quite tight in the beginning, and the the Crusaders had kind of run away with it. But they just they got enough points in the first half there to to keep the Blues at bay. But you can see that the Blues are starting to build on these performances and um, keeping Rico Yuani out wide. Matt Duffy's performing well at fullback, and I think SBW, as everyone knows, kind of makes a fair difference to the the operation of that backline, yeah. um, as well having Pulu mm. back in. In, with full fitness. Yeah, the Blues, I think they're still, they look a lot better than they did at the start of the season. And I think that we'll maybe pick up one or two wins um, going forward. But Crusaders team like this probably could have won by a bit more. And um, they didn't really look like they were, you know, a threat of losing this game. Yeah, they still look reasonably comfortable. Um, Crusaders, though, another prop in trouble for them. Franks uh, got cited for a um, high tackle hitting James Parsons um, coming in with the shoulder and he's actually going to miss another two games. So between Joe Moody and Franks, they're, they're missing a few props. They're getting a bit light, two All Blacks. Yeah, it's it's not good either for the preparation for the, the June series for them. They want these guys you know, playing super rugby and, and keeping their fitness up. Yeah, the, their discipline's lacking a bit at the moment. Hmm. Um, we'll jump ahead to the other game and Sharks and Chiefs and this went reasonably close. It was a bit bit sad to see the Chiefs actually had to play without any of their All Black players um, because they're under the mandatory resting for in the All Blacks contract. So missing people like Damian McKenzie, Sam Kane, Brody Retallick, um, Lynette Brown as well. But they kept it reasonably close. It was 10 all at half time. Um, but Sharks just kept popping over those penalties and um, ended up winning this one 28-24, the Chiefs scoring a late try to, to take a bonus point. Yeah, it probably wasn't a great performance from either team in this one. Um, Sharks did enough, as we know, um, but, yeah, they probably should have scored more points. The Chiefs, look, it's a bit hard when you take out those key players and they have so many injuries as well. Yeah, and I was actually reading a bit of an article about the Sharks and... I was talking about um, the best... They've worked out a way to beat these New Zealand teams and actually quoted that they're actually leading the competition with in offloads at the moment. Um, I think they're, they're up at around 170 so far, with the next highest being sort of the Blues at, like, 147. Um, and it's just through... They have these big, big backs is, um, between sort of Boiter, the captain in the second row, and the Dupree brothers in the back row. Um, these big guys that hold the ball up and can pop off the ball. And then um, you have just Robert Dupree playing territory games and kicking over penalties whenever they get anything. And they seem to be in a bit of a uh, roll on that if they get on form, they can probably um, come off with the next sort of 
three or four games, if they pull out wins, they can get up towards the top of their conference. Yeah, and I think that's why we're we're quite bullish about the Sharks' um, chances in games like this because you're right, they have these big ball-carrying forwards who are mobile and then some really electric guys out wide like Kerwin Bosch, uh, Mavovo, um, all those kind of guys that can really take any sort of opportunity they get on counter-attack or even just through face play um, and put points up. So Robert Dupree at fly half directs them around pretty well. He's reliable with the boot. Um, and, yeah, we, we have a lot of faith. I think even in this one, the their front row was so strong. Um, mm. And Beast Matawera just continues to, to you know, go from strength to strength. He's He's been around for a long time now, but he doesn't – show many signs of slowing down, a bit like Sokopi Kepu in some ways. Sharks are impressive, and I find it actually hard not to tip them every week at the moment because they just they, they look dangerous um, at so many opportunities. But I think it's maybe their discipline and maybe a little bit with their maturity they need to work on to make sure that they, they get all these key games. Yeah, they had uh, quite a few opportunities early, but a few sort of errors, a few sort of penalties um, sort of took that away. They probably, as you, as you're saying, could have scored a few more points in this game. Uh, the final game of the round we'll look at, and the Hagiwaras, after coming off that four-game winning streak on tour, having a week off, and then they had the Bulls come to town. Uh, and again, it was a game that was reasonably close early, um, Hags were up by 10 at half time, but ended up running away with it in the second half. Just starved Bulls of any possession, um, winning this one 54-24. Uh, I think the Bulls sort of suffered a little bit. They had a um, few people. They didn't have Lou Diaga in the forwards. Um, didn't have Berger, um, their, their captain at inside half. So um, had moved Pollard out to 12 in this game as well. Yeah, that, it just shows you the Haguaras can, or the Sex Panthers arch. That's for you. Keep going. <laughs> the um, Sex Panthers. Yeah, look, they're, they're still there. They're still there. 50, 54 points is not too shabby against a, a pretty good team like the Bulls are. Bulls just didn't, yeah, they didn't look as good in this game, and Hags just continue to roll on. Um I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting coming to the the top of that SAC conference whether the Lions can hold on or the Jaguars are going to overtake them. Hey, I'm back in the Sex Panthers all the way. All right, um, especially with a couple more home games, and they've just they've just shown now that they they don't make errors anywhere near as much as they used to. They used to sort of always have a lot more drop ball, and things are just going to hand for them. And I think it is partly, I didn't actually realise, but the Argentinian um, rugby has made a predict now that um, to play for the national team, you have to be playing within Argentina. So it's actually brought a couple more people back for this season. Um, one guy definitely... That's think, massive. Yeah, so it pretty much means that team can almost be your national team, which is going to make them really competitive as well in the rugby championships and any other wider competitions. Um, one guy to keep your eye out is there a 20-year-old that was got his debut, um, I think it was at number seven at Kramer, who's a massive kid, and he was just running over people. He scored a good try, bumped off, I think, um, uh, Strauss and Snayman, the hooker in second row, just to go over the line in this. It was a great run. Yeah, they've got plenty of talent, and yeah, I think we're seeing it. They're cutting out the, the errors in their game, and also they're controlling... Um, games with their good discipline and these are two things that they used to be pretty terrible at to be honest so yeah they've tightened up those two areas and it it really is paying dividends so uh, look i think the way it's panned out and the way performances have panned out this is the right type of selection for this game all right, and then we're up to the final week of our Wallaby Watch because um, this Island Test Series is fast approaching and we're finally on to the back three, so wingers and fullbacks. Um, we have a few names really to bandy around. Um, the only thing I think we can say for certain is Checker's going to put Falau starting at fullback. Yeah, and I'm happy with that. I um, I wouldn't put him anywhere else. He's, he's proven to me that he's invaluable there at the fullback spot. 
Um, if you want to shift him to the the wing for certain plays, that's fine. But to start him on the wing and keep him there, I think is the wrong option. Um, I think he's he's best at fullback and he gets his hands on the ball most often there, um, particularly with kicks going back to him. So, you know, keep full out fullback. Um, I was looking, I think, I've talked a lot about Korobidi. I think he still deserves to retain that spot, um, particularly with a lot of guys out of form. Korobidi's defense and just general intensity um, without kind of making too many errors is pretty impressive in comparison to someone like Henry Spate, who just um, continues to kind of baffle a little bit with some of his decision-making. And the other guy I've been probably got to throw an arch, um, it's this other kind of wing spot is a little bit up for grabs. Mm. Um, but I think with his performance on the weekend, I know it wasn't actually on the wing, but Curtis Rona, um, his combination with Falau and also with Curtly Beal, I think we could benefit a lot from that um, for the Wallabies. And he's familiar with playing on the flank there. So I'd, I'd probably be going for someone like Rona at the moment. Interesting, interesting. I don't have any arguments with Korobiti, um on one wing. I think I think Leo has agreed with that, and we've all sort of gone a different way with that last winger. I want to put Naira Voro on the wing. I want I want to emulate our sort of partners across the Tasman and put these big ball running guys. The guy that if you give the ball out five minutes out, he's gonna score. He's gonna get over the line. And yet, we may be that we have to deal with a few sort of loose carries or a few passes thrown in. But look, he's been averaging a lot of tries in this tournament now. And he's been doing it against the best wingers. He's been doing it against these big New Zealand wingers. I was saying before, he took sort of Nahola to the cleaners in one of those tries he scored on the weekend. So I kind of want to see him get his shot. I know he's going overseas at the end of the year, so it may be a bit more sort of unlikely. But... I'd like to see him in there for at least at least maybe the first test for Ireland. Yeah, I, he would have been my other consideration, I think, for that starting spot. Um, there are probably a few guys that can can do the job for you, and I think Leo's gone for DHP on the other wing um, with Corabidi. So, can co- completely understand that. My only argument against DHP would be just general lack of match fitness, struggling with injuries quite a lot this season. So he may not just walk into that that first test on the wing, but I think you could probably see him factor in pretty strongly later in the year. Um, Naira Voro is a tough one because, like you said, he's not going to be available for the World Cup next year, I think, based on what we know at the moment. So it's whether Checker wants to kind of just go with the guys that are in really good form or kind of um, build some combinations in that back three looking ahead towards the World Cup. Um, Naira Voro... Undeniable, though, at the moment. His form, his fitness, um, he's cut a lot of the errors out of his game. And, yeah, he's just been a joy to watch for mine. So hope he gets his opportunity at some stage, whether he's starting or not. In terms of other guys, Arch, do you have, like, a more broader squad? Well, I think, I mean, yeah, you've talked about Rona. I think he's definitely going to be in the mix there. Um, Also, Tom Banks, we were just talking about him with the Brumbies. I think he definitely deserves to spend a bit of time around there. DHP, he's coming back this week for the Rebels, so he will need a little bit more match fitness, but I'd, I'd love to see him around there. We've talked about Maddox with the fly halves, but I suspect he'll get named as well. That's probably the main people I'm thinking. Who else would you put in? I think Cam Clark's going to factor, just based on his performances since he's been starting oh, yeah, for the true. Waratahs. Yeah. And he's, he's got out-and-out pace. I um, mean, he's a tough guy. Probably a bit of a smaller winger um, compared to what we're used to, but I could see him coming into consideration. And then also probably Daugunu, just for out-and-out pace, and he's a real try-scoring weapon. So I think he could get an opportunity at some stage as well. Is he is he eligible for us? Well, we might have to check that, but I thought perhaps he was, but maybe maybe he's not I'm, at this yeah, stage. Yeah, I think we need to Maybe he still needs some more time. I'm just yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I just know that he did play. He played soccer for Fiji, so I'd... yeah, you might be right. Actually, maybe he's not quite eligible at this stage. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing seeing the type of guys that Brad Thorne has brought in to that Reds team, if you're not looking at Dalguna, you might look at Jordan Patea. I think at age 18 or something. Yeah, he's, um, he's going to be a real star in the future. So it's whether you bring him into the 
the broader squad now to get some experience. Mm. No, I don't think that's a bad call at all. I think he's definitely one to watch. He's going to develop um, into the future. I think, just lastly, I think Leo's kind of mentioned Chance Penny. Um, I don't. I'm not too sure that that's going to happen this year, particularly because he hasn't really featured much for the Brumbies in the last few weeks. But I think it's those guys with a point of difference that you're looking at that are genuine try scorers, um, know how to finish, know where the line is. Guys like Rona, Naira Voro, um, Maddox, um, invaluable for the Wallabies because out wide when we get those opportunities, we really need to capitalise. Yeah, and you know me, I'm a big fan of Chance Penny. Um, unfortunate that he's sort of had this bit of suspension because he was sort of hitting a bit of form with the Brumbies. Uh, I think he's probably not quite there yet, needs a little bit more polish on his game. Um, but definitely, I hope the check is keeping him in mind for, for future sort of squad selections. Round 15. All right, let's look ahead at round 15 and another week of seven games um, with the Blues on by, but everyone else in. Um, and we'll start on Friday night. A bit of battle at the top of the New Zealand Conference. This one will definitely get a lot of viewership. Crusaders versus the Hurricanes. Yeah, and the two best teams in Super Rugby are going to battle it out. This is a really tough pick, and I think it, it's even even harder because it is being played in Christchurch, and we know how good the Crusaders can be at home. Um, I'm still going to go for the Hurricanes. I think, you know, at full strength, I think they're a better team than the Crusaders. It's just whether they can, um, I guess, hold it together against a pretty mature Crusaders team in terms of their approach and their consistency. Um, they're very, very meticulous. Whereas the Canes are a little bit more flamboyant and have the propensity a little bit sometimes to, um, you know, lose a bit of their structure and, and perhaps get a little bit flustered. So it's two kind of different personalities in terms of these two teams. And, yeah, I think I think the Canes will have enough to do it here. I've, I've literally changed this pick about three times just while we've been recording this podcast because I just... I just can't think of it. I go, yeah, Crusaders at home, that's that's always a tough one. And then I go, oh, the Canes are just, if they put together their back line with TJ back, oh, it's just so tough to get away against. And then with the Franks and Moody out, I mean, it doesn't particularly affect the Crusaders. Amazingly, they've got people like White Crock and Michael Alalatoa to come into the props. But I think you're right. I'll give the edge to the Canes. Um, looks like Leo's kept with the home team he's he's picked the Saders to try and uh take one over the Hurricanes to stay stay ahead at the top of the New Zealand conference and on top of the competition yeah but I don't I think either way um you can't miss this one this is one of those games that's um I think as long as the weather's good um you're going to see some great football so make sure you tune in yeah definitely and then on Friday night the Rebels are back from their bye um, and as you said, DHP is probably going to be back suiting up for this one as they take on the Sunwolves, the hot, hot Sunwolves again. Um, and looks like uh, we're all sort of backing the Rebels to try and take one um, here that, to be ready for this sort of onslaught that's going to come from the Sunwolves. Leah's taking the Rebels. I think Rebels as well. I think um, they just need to stem the flow of points early. Um, the Sunwolves have shown they can hang around. But if Rebels um, manage to get out to a bit of a lead on this one, put two, maybe three tries on, um, I suspect they'll be able to hold on and hopefully win by a solid sort of 14, 15 points. Yeah, I think that performance in Canberra two weeks ago really, um, you know, gave them a lot of confidence. And I think a bit of a monkey off the back in some ways because they were on a string of losses and um, it would have been nice to go into that bye week with a bit of positivity and and knowing that you know you're still in the finals race um, and you've got a team like the Sunwolves coming up, which I mean I think the as long as they approach this game in the right way, they should be strong enough to beat a Sunwolves team away from home. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult because the Sunwolves are a bit kind of unpredictable and erratic, whereas the Rebels do have their structures they can put on the points, but they're going to have a lot of these bigger forwards um, that are a bit less mobile than some of the Sunwolves guys. So it'll be a, a different kind of battle here, but the Rebels should have, you know, the calibre of players, I think, and they should be well-rested at home to, to do enough in this one to win. 
Yeah, that's right. Rebels at home. I just want to want to see them put together a, a solid sort of two half performances. We've seen them that they can put it together for forty minutes, but I want to see that full eighty in this. Yeah, definitely. And a Saturday morning for the Sex Panthers. Uh, they've obviously taken Friday night off from their normal jaunts, um, but they're coming to us early Saturday morning and taking on the Sharks. And I'm definitely backing the Sex Panthers in here. Um, I reckon, despite the Sharks um, being coming off a good win um, and us raving them about them earlier in the show, I think the Hagiwaras are just putting it together, and I reckon they're just going to keep that momentum going. They get good crowds out there at home, and I think they'll they'll hold on enough if to score enough points to put one over on the Sharks here. Yeah, I think look, the favourite will definitely be the the Hagiwaras in this one. Um, I just I think. Perhaps the fact that they've won five in a row, there's a loss coming soon. Um, and I feel like the, the Sharks have the team to do it um, and maybe surprise the Hags a little bit. Um, so I'm going to actually take the Sharks in this one. Um, but I think it'll be probably high scoring and quite close. Um, you just know that the Haguars, um, in previous years, we've kind of thought, okay, they're a little bit erratic and they're a little bit um, inconsistent. They've shown now they can put games together back-to-back. So it is definitely a hard pick for me, but um, I just have a feeling the Sharks are going to come in there and and really light them up. So I think, again, another entertaining game to watch. And next game up, um, coming out of Waikato, the Chiefs are returning home and taking on the Waratahs. And I'm not actually 100% sure. I think they will still be without a few of their All Blacks in this game as well. I'm not too sure, actually. I I get the feeling that because they dropped that game that uh, most of them will come back in. Um, I think Damian McKenzie will definitely start at 10. And you probably see Anton Leonard-Brown come into 13. Um, they might have to shuffle um, their back line a little bit with Nartai perhaps going back to fullback. The Chiefs are, you know, at home a, a bit of a different beast in some ways. But I think the Waratahs are on enough of a roll to, to get this one done and... Now that the, the streak is over, I'm just hoping they don't relax at all and, and they're really up for this game because they have brought a lot of good intensity in the last few weeks against the Blues, Crusaders, and then the Highlanders. So this is the fourth New Zealand team in a row for them. Um, it'll be a great test. I'm going to pick them. Leo's going with the Chiefs, but Arch, you're going to stick with the Tars, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, mate, I will stick with the Tars. I'll stick with the, my homeboys. Um, I reckon... I reckon they can keep the role on, like you're saying. I think they have enough to match these guys in the back line. And I think if the forwards do um, stand up like they did versus the Highlanders and our back row stays on form with Wells and Miller and we run them around, we should be able to put one over them at home. And how nice would that be to take um, two, 50% of wins versus the New Zealand teams in, the, um, in these last four games? Yeah, it's, it's a big test for the Waratahs. You can't actually shy away from that. I think they was, they've been speaking about this week that they think that they have the, the calibre of players to, to emulate some of that 2014 success, um, which is a, a massive call. But you can see they've got their sights firmly on the finals there and, and really making a profound impact at the end of the season. So this is another big test. They've got to stand up. You know, if they relax in this game, they could easily lose by 20 to a Chiefs team that, like we, like we expect, is going to kind of welcome back Retallick, Anton Leonard-Brown, Damian McKenzie, guys like this that um, are really, really um, dynamic players. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I'm going to go back to the Waratahs with this one. Um, I hope they don't let me down. And I reckon it'll be another entertaining game and another, another one that definitely need to make sure you're at home to, to watch that one. Um, followed up by probably another pretty entertaining one, the Reds taking on the Highlanders um, up in Brisbane. So the Highlanders going on their Australian tour and wonder if they can get back to it. But, I mean, the rumours are, they, they were talking about resting Ben Smith last week. I suspect that he will actually need to be rested this week to comply with that all-black sort of resting policy. In that regard, I mean, I, I think the Reds might be able to do it in this one. Um, I think they've they've shown what they can do versus a Hurricanes team in Wellington. Um, if they come up and put their big men forward and 
go straight through the middle at some of these Highlanders teams. I reckon they can put enough on that they can stress them out, they can pressure them, and hopefully force them into a few uh, errors and uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, doesn't look like Leo agrees with me. He's, he's tipping the Highlanders, but, I mean, they're, they're his secondary team. So what about you, Toby? Yeah, you know I'm a big fan of the Highlanders too. The The fact they dropped this game against the Tars does a, a pretty significant disservice to the Reds, I think, because they're going to be fired up. Um, they'll play with 15 guys. They won't make the same mistakes again um, in this game. Guys like Rob Thompson, I think, will, will step up. I don't know if they get Teherengi Walden back. I think that really disrupted their, their back line a little bit, losing him. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think Ben Smith is a big loss if he's out for them um, in terms of resting. But from my perspective, um, I don't think the Reds can score enough points in this game to, to actually win it. And that's my biggest concern. I know they scored quite a lot of points against the Hurricanes, but playing at home, they've actually struggled to break 20 points um, this season. So if they perform like that, I think the the Highlanders probably have a little bit too much firepower. Um, and the Highlanders, we've seen them how physical they are, probably probably enough so to to match the Reds' physicality. So it's going to be a really brutal affair, I think. But you know, I'm going to go with the Highlanders, um, but I think it'll be another strong um, performance all round by the Reds, and I, I think they're going to continue to build on, on what they did against the Canes. I just don't think it's going to be enough. Nah, mate, no faith in our in our fellow men to the north. Come on, you can you can back the Reds in this one. <sighs> mate, I love watching them, but yeah, they're just a Highlanders team like this. It's so dangerous, and it was a bit of an off game for them against the Tars, so I think they're going to really bounce back strongly from that. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the final uh, Australian team involved this weekend, the Brumbies continue their South African uh, plight, and they're taking on the Bulls. Uh, so, bit of an interesting one in this. Um, Bulls, as we said before, had been down with a few injuries, but returning home um, versus the Brumbies team, it's always difficult. They're spending their second week at altitude in Pretoria, so hopefully they will have adjusted a little bit. But again, hard to tip the Brumbies in this one. I'm, I'm going Bulls. Yeah, like we talked about, the Brumbies did look pretty good against the Lions, um, whereas the Bulls looked pretty poor against the, the Hags. So it's tough. I think the Bulls heading back home would have just got straight back on the plane and back to Pretoria. Um, I think if Rob Valentini had actually been playing for the Brumbies... Um, no doubt it'd be out. Um, I think I might have been tempted to take the Brumbies in this one, um, particularly with what they showed with their backline um, against uh, the Lions. But you must think Bulls, it's going to be pretty. You have to there. think that. Yeah, I did I actually? I find this tough one to pick. I think if the Bulls had kind of had a better showing against the Hags, I would have would have um, been pretty confident in picking them. But yeah, the Brumbies. I know that we kind of wrote them off on this tour, but it seems like they've changed their attitude a little bit. Um, I guess they might miss Arnold as well if he got a red card. So mm. it could be two guys out of that pack. So I don't think that'll, um, you know, that probably won't allow them to actually get on top of the Bulls. I think the Bulls will pick up their, their game, um, get back to their winning ways in, in Pretoria. So I'm taking them. Yeah, and looks like Leo's joining us. So we're sweeping all for the Bulls in that one. Um, and the final game of the round, uh, Stormers taking on the Lions. And Stormers back at home. We know they're good at home. Um, and we've said the Lions have been a bit uh, faulting lately. What do you think, Toby? Who are you backing? Um, at first glance, I think like I'll, I think you've noted this as well. We've got to see the team lists. Mm. But having said that, my first kind of feeling is to go with the Stormers at home. And... That's kind of probably a bit of an odd pick as well, given they just lost the Sunwolves and they're traveling. Um, the Lions have been probably more well-rested. Um, but the Lions, far from impressive on the weekend. And I feel like the Stormers maybe have enough in them in terms of defense to to limit the Lions enough. Um, if the Lions do welcome back some of their big names, though, I might be tempted to swap my pick over. 
Yeah, see, I'm probably a little bit of the opposite. I tended to lean first to the Lions and then sort of be hesitant after thinking about their recent form. Um, again, I mean, I would go back a little bit to why the Storm has played a little bit worse on the weekend. And the big loss I think they did have was, again, not having Willemsar and having to put a new 10 in in Duplessis um, in. And uh, I was a little bit disappointed. I would have preferred to see Lades or something go into 10. But I think if they keep that lineup, I don't know if they're quite as um, quite as dangerous in terms of their back line. Their forwards are going to remain reasonably strong. So while they keep it tight, I reckon they can keep it close. But I think um, some of these some of these electric sort of outside backs for the Lions, if they release sort of um, Mahuza or Tambwe out wide, I reckon they might be able to put some points on. Yeah, I think if if Lionel Marpu's back at thirteen, um, I'd probably start Foster. I think um, Jans van Rensburg what? had a pretty poor game. Um, yeah, sorry, mate. He's um. He's throwing he passes try. to no one. He, yeah, he's got to try. He's guaranteed Rohan to throw a try. Rohan Janssen van Rensburg! They give him they give him the ball five out. You can't stop him. But other aspects of his game were a little bit lacking. Yeah. Um, so I'd like a reformatting of that back line. Um, and, yeah, like I said, if, if Whiteley does come back at eight or I don't think Marks is ready, but if they do welcome a couple of guys back into that forward pack, um, it yeah, it'll, it'll give me kind of pause to, to think about this one pretty closely because Storm is a little bit unpredictable. I think you're right. They they will lack a bit of direction. Um, but it's another week probably under their belts with this new guy at 10. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the Lions really need to kind of step it up now um, going into this June series break. They want to kind of take their opportunities and make sure they rack up the wins given the, the Sex Panthers are chasing them down. So, big game for both teams, I think. This round just seems like it's full of pretty big games and it's just starting to get into that sort of back end of the season where every game's going to matter in terms of finals pictures. Yeah, mate, it's, it's business time now. It's business time. It's business time. Flight of the Concords, so good. <laughs> Gonna put on my business socks. Uh, all right, um, Toby, do you want to take us out today? Yeah, I'm happy to take us out this week. Um, as always, um, you can like us and, and follow us on Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast. Um, otherwise, we're on Instagram with some interesting content there at Running Rugby Podcast again. Um, and then also, guys, check us out on Twitter. We feed some information through. We're going to try and be a bit more active on there as at Running Rugby Pod. In terms of, you know, getting getting online and listening to us, um, you can get, go directly to our site on Podient. Um, but I think, you know, for most of you with iPhones, Apple Podcast is a way to go. Um, and Android, check us out on Stitcher. And there's also Pocket Cast there for your enjoyment as well. But Arch, I'll throw back to you. Thanks, mate. Uh, I always like to take us out in my own special way. But boys, enjoy this weekend. And girls, enjoy this weekend. And remember, keep on running. Run. The streak is over. The streak is over. In the face. In the face. Bum, bum.